today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. The management of our master's resources have to come to that point of understanding nothing I have is mine, everything is the Lord's. And so first of all, in every area of my life, I need to deal honestly, and I need to deal under His direction in my life. That becomes with my time, my talents, and yes, my treasures, my finances, my gifts, my job, everything about me. Lord. What would you have me to do? That's why we need to pray and seek the Lord first thing in the morning. Lord, lead my day. Help me to know where you would have me to go, what you would have me to do. There is nothing that we own that didn't come from God. As we study Jesus' parable about the unjust steward, Pastor David will teach valuable principles we can learn in this story. During our lifetime, we are managers of God's resources and His blessings to us here on earth. It is our responsibility. How have we managed what God has given us? Our finances, our talents, our time, our jobs, our hobbies, our health, our family? How can we worship Him and honor Him in all of it? Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Just or Unjust Steward. We've been going through the the book of Luke. We've heard and listened to a lot of the different parables of Jesus. Here as we come into chapter 16 of the book of Luke, we're right in the middle of five different parables that Jesus seems to be speaking almost one after another. We looked a couple of weeks ago at the parable of the lost sheep found in chapter 15 and the parable of the lost coin also found in chapter 15. Also in chapter 15 was the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. We looked at that just a couple of weeks ago. Today now we're getting into chapter 16. There's two more parables here. There's the parable of the unjust steward or the shrewd servant and the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And yet a lot of people look at that and say, well, it's not really a parable that could actually have taken place. And be that as it may, there's a great lesson to be learned from that. Four of them, the first three, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son, and the story of the rich man and Lazarus, those four are fairly straightforward. They seem to have a a pretty clear meaning of nearly all that we read and study there. We can pretty well straightforward understand what he's saying. But this fourth one here that we're going to look at this morning, the one that's called the unjust or the shrewd servant, 
there's a lot of difficulty in fully understanding not only the meaning of this parable, but all of the characters that are involved in the parable. One of the things about going verse by verse through the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, is you can't skip over the difficult things, okay? Again, you have to look at them. You have to discern, okay, Lord, what message are, are you speaking to me in this? I'm having a really hard time understanding. And sometimes, let's face it, we read things, I have a really hard time receiving that. Because again, maybe it, it sticks a little too hard and too deep, the message that's going through there. But as we go through, verse by verse, expository teaching through the Word of God, there is this continual time of having to step into the deeper waters. You've got to wrestle through the night with the Spirit of God, and you've got to, again, study and, and look into the Word of God to really see and to glean, what is it that you want of me in this passage? What is it that you're showing me of me in this passage? And believe me, nearly every aspect of every parable that Jesus spoke, both as he was speaking to the Pharisees a parable and explaining how they were, as well as when he speaks to the disciples and explains to them how they were, we can see ourselves in many of these things. Today, we're in a section of Scripture that a wrestling match has to take place. We have to look and see, okay, where is this? What direction is this going? And hopefully, the Lord will uh, allow me to rightly divide the word of truth this morning. In reference to this fourth parable found here in the opening passages of Luke chapter 16, there's been a lot said about it by teachers and commentators. Many of them seem to be in agreement with at least one thing. Let me share with you a couple of quotes real quick. Donald Spence Jones states, No parable in the New Testament has been so greatly discussed and has received so many and such varying interpretations at the hands of the expositors in dealing with this one parable. Robert Stein, in his commentary on Luke, speaks of this one. He says, few passages of Scripture have caused as much confusion as the opening parable of Luke chapter 16. Walter Layfield puts it simply, the interpretation of this parable is notoriously difficult. But my all-time favorite actually comes from a man by the name of Gavin Childress who writes, this is perhaps one of the strangest parables ever spoken by the Lord Jesus. And so that's what we're going to wrestle with this morning, okay? And in the short period of time that we have on the surface, when we read this, we're going to have to agree with the scholars that, again, we need to recognize, first of all, the focus of this parable before we can really start to discern all the other inner workings and all the pieces and allowing them to fall into place. So let's get into the passage, Luke chapter 16, the first 13 verses. Follow with me, if you would, as I read. And then he, Jesus, also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. And so he called him and he said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be my steward. And then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I, I can't dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I've resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, that they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him, and he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, Well, a hundred measures of oil. So he said, Well, take your bill, sit down, and quickly write 50. And he said to another, How much do you owe? And 
So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, well, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. First thing we see here, he's speaking directly to his disciples. This isn't a lesson for the whole crowd of people. This is for the ones that, again, have said, I have decided to follow Jesus. Much more than the twelve but not the vast amount of the multitude. Undoubtedly several hundred that have truly committed their lives to Christ. And so he's speaking this to them, beyond the 12, but not to the masses. Again, he says, this is a lesson of what it means to follow Jesus. This is a kingdom lesson for those that are part of the kingdom. And so we need to understand that as we get into this parable. In the parable, Jesus speaks to them of a wealthy landowner. His holdings were of such great size that he had to hire a steward or a manager to help take care of the affairs of his land. We find that in the context of the passage that the land had been rented out or divided out among what we would call sharecroppers. These would go out and they would farm the land or perhaps put livestock on the land. And again, from part of their increase of that land that they would then pay the land owner, a type of bartering, if you would. Uh, we don't get the full, we don't get the complete picture, but just enough detail to bring out the true meaning of the parable. We find here that someone had spoken to the landowner about some sort of mishandling by the manager of the estate. It says that an accusation was brought to him that this man, this manager, was wasting his possessions. It's an interesting thing to note here, the Greek word for wasting that we find here in 16, it's the same word that was used in chapter 15, verse 13, about the prodigal son that was wasting his inheritance. It has the meaning of not only wasting, but also scattering or squandering, totally misusing what he was responsible for. Well, this came to the attention of the landowner. He calls the manager in to give an account And he says, not only do I want you to give an account of what you're doing, but oh, by the way, you're fired. He says, you're fired. What have you been doing? You can no longer be my manager anymore. But different than what it is today, for some reason, he still allowed that manager to be able to hold on to the books for a while. He said, you're fired. You need to get the books in order because I need to find out what's going on. So with that, at that point in time, the manager, he pretty well panics. He wonders how in the world he's going to be able to survive and and maintain the lifestyle that he's become accustomed to. He says to himself, man, I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm way too uh, embarrassed or ashamed to go begging, but I've got to do something. Apparently, as he was squandering his master's estate, he was only thinking about the here and now. He wasn't laying anything aside for later. He was probably using it all up as fast as it came in. The present, again is about to become the past, 
and the future is going to hit him square on in the face. He hadn't prepared for the future at all. You may be familiar with a term I heard many, many years ago. It says that today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday, but all is well, so smile. Did you catch that? Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday, all is well, smile. But that's not the case with this guy. As a matter of fact, today is the tomorrow you never thought would come, and all is not well for this guy. But here, the shrewdness of this man, not only was he unjust in dealing with his master's money, but he's also a shrewd character. He's a very acute, very wise character in some areas. This now comes out pretty clear. He needs to make certain that once he's kicked out of his master's house, he has some place to go, that he has friends outside of his master's house. And so he comes up with this plan, a plan that allows him that even during the toughest times of his life, he doesn't have to live out in the streets. He'll have a place to go. People as it says here, people might receive him into their houses. So he begins calling in his master's debtors one by one. Now, we're not informed how many debtors the master you know, had there. We, we do hear the example of two of them, but since the master had a large enough estate that he had to hire a manager or a steward to take care of his affairs, we pretty well can assume that there's more than just two debtors to him. But again, from these two, we get the idea of the plan. In verse 5, it says, So summoning, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And the guy comes, and he says, Well, I owe him a hundred measures of oil. So he gives that man the bill or, or the, the receipt for it. He says, here, sit down and quickly write 50. And you wonder, well, why quickly on that? Well, I believe because I know he has only a limited amount of time. The master is only going to allow him to have those books for so long until the master wants that full account. Quick, write down 50. Uh, next one, get them over. The next one comes and he says, how much do you owe? He says, oh, I owe 100 measures of wheat. Well, quick, sit down and, and write 80 on there. And again, you might think at this point in time, well, this guy is a really nice guy. He's forgiving all of this debt. What a nice guy. But don't forget, whose debt is it? It's not his. He's still squandering the master's stuff. And again, what he's doing is he's now making those people indebted to him. Because he says, hey, look what I did for you. So no, he's not a nice guy. He's a schemer. He's a squanderer. He's, he's unjust. But the interesting thing, the response of the master to what he does is totally, absolutely curious. Listen to what it says here. It says that the master commended, in verse 8, the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. Now, this is the part that most people really struggle with. Well, wait a minute. So what lesson is that? You think, is, is Jesus telling us that we need to deal shrewdly and, and, and with trickery with people? Well, the simple answer is to that, of course not. That's not what the lesson is. Some parables are given to us as an example of what we should follow. Some parables are given to us as an example of what we should not follow. This particular parable is given to us well, kind of to do both, but uh, we'll hang in there. We'll, we'll, we'll show you what I mean here as we get on. Now, Jesus finishes the parable itself, 
and he kind of gives an interpretation of the parable there in the second part of verse 8. He says, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Now, this is getting weirder and weirder. I mean, if you really look at it, this is like, this is not making sense. Make friends of myself with unrighteous wealth in order that they might receive me into eternal dwellings. What friend of mine here on earth is going to receive me into any kind of eternal dwellings, you know? Friends like fish, after four days, they stink. It's time for you to leave. That's not an eternal dwelling that we're looking for. So that's not what they're able to give. So what is Jesus speaking to us here? As I said earlier, it's all going to come together. Just hang in there. This whole parable, you need to understand, actually has to do with stewardship. Stewardship of our lives and of our resources. Jesus here is using a bad example to hopefully help us understand a good principle. During our lifetime, we are managers of the blessings of God in our life. Everything that you and I have, from our life, our breath, our health, our very being, all that we have, do you realize it's not yours? You're only borrowing all this stuff. And none of it is continual. None of it is eternal. You are, again, the manager of God's resources during your time here on earth. What kind of a manager are you? Are you a good manager? Or are you an unjust and a shrewd manager for the Lord's stuff? The process of our lives, the management of our master's resources have to come to that point of understanding nothing I have is mine, everything is the Lord's, and so first of all, in every area of my life, I need to deal honestly and I need to deal under his direction in my life. That becomes with my time, my talents, and yes, my treasures, my finances, my gifts, my job, everything about me. Lord, what would you have me to do? That's why we need to pray and seek the Lord first thing in the morning. Lord, lead my day. Help me to know where you would have me to go, what you would have me to do. That's why everything that our hands find to do, we do it as unto the Lord. Yes, the jobs that we do, the fun times, the recreation that we do. Again, Lord, Cause us, in the midst of all of these things, to see you and to worship you and honor you. Deal honestly and under his direction. And also, we need to keep our vision on the future of what's ahead. I'm not talking about retirement, folks. I'm talking about eternity. We need to see beyond this life, and we need to understand that this life is but a breath. It's just a moment, and it's very soon gone. What attention What focus have you placed on the future? You see, this unjust steward, he hadn't put any thought into the future. And when suddenly the time comes, he's scrambling to find out some kind of a plan to do something. Are we preparing for the future? Are you preparing for the next stage of your existence? When you move from this realm into the next, are you making preparation for that even now? Through the use of his physical resources, This man finally is coming to that point where he is making preparation. But let me ask you, how about you? How serious are you 
in the preparation for the future. If you don't think that this particular parable is about finances, look down with me down into verse 14. We actually get into next week's lesson, but look what it says in verse 14. Now the Pharisees, who were what? Lovers of money, heard all of these things, and they derided him. They came against Jesus. Why? Because they understood this parable was about money. Oh, and by the way, folks, money is not a four-letter word in church, okay? I know a lot of people, you can't speak about money. Or some might say, well, every time I come to church, you speak about money. Well, you haven't been here very often then because we hardly ever speak about it. But this is what Jesus is speaking about here. He's speaking about our financial responsibility and the fiduciary responsibility that we have of another man's goods. We are responsible for the goods and the resources that are God's, that he simply places into our hands for us to work and use for his glory during our time here. We look at this world And it would seem like the great vast majority of the people are focused only on the here and only on the now. They have absolutely no thought for the future, particularly their eternal future. Just recently heard about someone that went to an auction and they bought a purse at an auction. Has anybody heard this yet? Do you know where I'm going? They paid over a quarter of a million dollars for a purse, ladies. $270,000. And if that isn't weird enough, it was empty. There was nothing in it. That much money for something as simple and as temporary and as empty as a purse. Society as a whole has this continuing mantra, I want to have more, more, more. I want it for me, 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 and I want to have it now, now, now. The sad part comes is when people of the kingdom of God have that same mantra in their life. To say that I'm part of God's kingdom, and yet there is a greed, there's a desire for more, more, more. You see, the child of God needs to be wise enough to plan for the future, And I'm not talking about your 401k or your Roth IRA or your retirement funds of any sort. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the eternal future. I mean literally, as Jesus says, laying up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust destroys and where thieves cannot break in and steal. Jesus goes on to add his explanation to this parable. Look down in verse 10. He says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. But one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, speaking of money, who will entrust you to the true riches? And again, I believe he's speaking if you've been unfaithful here in the financial situation, then who's going to trust you? with these other true riches, which have nothing to do with finances. But again, speaking of the riches of the glory of God's kingdom. He goes on, verse 12, and if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, in other words, we are the caretakers of God's resources, who will give you that which is your own? Well, what is our own? What do we really have that's going to last? You might say, hey, I got a few thousand dollars stored up over here, over there. That's not going to last. It's going to burn up. 
What is it that we have that is ours? Not only our salvation, but also the rewards of glory. All the things that are set before us in glory. Again, the word speaks of a multitude of times, the crowns that we can receive, the jewels within that crown, the blessings that are ours eternally. We can all remember the marketing campaign, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? While this became somewhat cliché, the concept behind it is crucial. In each and every circumstance, we need to consider not only what Jesus would do, but what He did do when He was here on earth. As Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke, we'll see exactly what Jesus did. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the Teachings page. Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the Teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. Make us more.